low feedback for me. God bless you. Good morning. Good to see you all. Thank you. It's great to be here. And I do want to say a couple things. Um, we're going to go into the message. I like the fact that we're in the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. Pastor has done well yet again. I uh, have a good friend who used to be an associate pastor with me who lives in Arkansas now. And uh, he just did a whole, he just did uh, uh, the Sermon on the Mountain Beatitudes, a teaching that he does online. And I connected with him. I thought, I said, we're in the same stream. We're, we're hearing. It's what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the churches, I believe. Amen? I'm going to pray before I uh, begin. But one thing I want to do, um, I had the privilege of sharing a message when Pastor asked me to share um, when we were into the Word. I shared a message on the Word some Sundays back. And I don't know if I ever communicated that when I, um, I'm big on the Word and, and I like to pray the Word and familiarize myself with the Word. I've read somewhere in the Word that we're to bury the Word in our heart. Amen? So I make a practice of that. And I have these little, these little holders that have the Word of God in them. This is my own. I think, I don't know how many different categories there are. I mean, it's just divided into segments like 25. So maybe there's 100 or 125 little segments in this little flip index. And I filled this particular one up with Scripture. You're not getting this. This takes a while to make. This is mine. Amen? But, but what am I doing here? What I want to do is I want to give one away. I want to give one of these away so you can fill up your 100 or 125, because I'm telling you, if you go out to your porch, go into your den, wherever it is perhaps that you have your devotion, and you sit down with maybe just 25 of them, and you pick out of your word, out of a Bible promise book, 25, and then, you know, over time, fill this thing up. I'm telling you, when you sit down and you quote the word and you decree the word and you pray the word and you thank God for the word, the word becomes living. It's a living word. So I want to give this to someone so whoever's interested in getting this so they can fill it up and do it, come on up and get it because it's yours. So whoever comes, please come and get it. There you go. <clears throat> now, I'll tell you, those aren't too hard to obtain. This is $1 at Dollar General, okay? You could buy a bunch, but you want to use them, amen? I want to thank Pastor for allowing me to do that. I, I was teetering on whether I should, and I thought, no, I need to encourage us by doing that. A new king and a new kingdom, that should be our title this morning, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. This is, this is my hope for all of us. I pray, Father, we pray that you are glorified. Jesus, that you are proclaimed. Holy Spirit, that you are activated and sensed and operating. Um, that the kingdom of God is expanded in each one of us. And then as a consequence, in the, in the city that we live in, the area we live so, Father, be glorified, Jesus be proclaimed, Holy Spirit be active, kingdom of God be expanded, and cause us to be different by the living word of God this morning. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. We trust you and thank you for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, I'd ask that you turn to Matthew 5. That's where we are this morning, and I think our title is up, A New King and a New Kingdom. 
Last week, we opened up with this marvelous series on the Beatitudes. As we viewed Jesus' ideas, they seemed to supersede. It was, it was interesting to listen to, and I did see the message a week ago. And it's interesting because we have, uh, Pastor talked about 613 commands, Old Testament, the law, the importance of it. Um, of course, that we have a New Testament and a new covenant with Jesus. But, um, and, and that the Beatitudes, though, seemed almost to supersede. You know, not only do, does, does the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount and a whole series of ideas that we're reading about over this series that we're in, they don't just say, don't do. They almost say, don't even think about it. Amen? They say almost, don't even think about it. Matthew 5 17, this PowerPoint here, it says, do not think, and we review from last week, this was repeated, do not think, Jesus said, I've come to abolish the law or the prophets, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them, Matthew 5, 17. We are being charged, it seems by Jesus in this, to line up even more tightly. As we were discussing this, I felt like the, the Sermon on the Mount, the ideas that were presented, they were like a template. It's like Jesus was providing a template and saying, come and fit inside of this template. There are nine blessed are statements. Those were covered last week. We, we read them there in five, down three through, three through 10 or 11. There are nine blessed are statements. The first 11 verses say things about being blessed. Like in verse seven, for instance, Matthew five, verse seven says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And a lot of these, if you look at them, they seem to be what I identify as what I call consequential. You know, blessed are you as a result or a consequence when you are this. And so uh, we look at that. Blessed defined, and, and we've heard this before, but let's look at what it means because if blessed is mentioned nine times in just the, the first few verses we're launching out and let's grasp what blessed is. Blessed means happy, fortunate, and to be envied. There's other definitions as well. But blessed means happy, fortunate, and to be envied. Is it your hope? I, I'm wondering, it's kind of a rhetorical question, but is it that, that people that know you're a believer can look at you and go, they have something I don't have. That's, you know, happy, fortunate, and to be envied. I can remember when I was a firefighter in my career, I was at Station 5 on Parker Hill Road. We had a, a dedicated mailman for all the different stations around the city. He came into our station and uh, I had gotten to know him. He was an older man, retired, and uh, we had a neat rapport with him. We'd talk, all of us would visit with him. We'd ask him to sit down, have a cup of coffee with us. And, and he and I had conversation over the time he was there. And one day he came in, and it was nearing Resurrection Sunday, Passion Week. He knew I pastored also. And he was kind, he, how's things going? What does it look like this week? And we had a brief conversation. And that's an exciting week for me. I was stirred, and I spoke with him, and he watched me. And out loud, you know, I think he might have caught himself out loud. He looked at me, and he said, I envy you. And I remember thinking, my gosh, that man just called me blessed. Happy, fortunate, and to be envied. What did he envy? He envied something that, was, that had depth. 
You know, we, here we are going on with our week throughout the year, any old week of the year, but he understood I was enthused about the celebration of what he understood I saw as a very real thing, the celebration of an empty tomb. And so, um, happy, fortunate to be envied. If you're here and you're in Jesus, believe me, we are happy, we're fortunate, we're to be envied, and we're going to read about the significance of that. Let's look at Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Right here it says, you were the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And uh, we want to keep reading. So, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And so, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And I found it interesting because through uh, the various ideas that Jesus presents here in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, in one way, he says, do a lot of things on the down low, if you read through it. In one way, he says, when you're praying, don't draw attention to yourself. When you're giving, don't let everybody know you're giving. So in one regard, he says, make sure your motive is right. But here he clearly is saying, by the same token, there's a time when that's not the, that's, when, it, when you're, we're not operating in an incorrect spirit trying to show anything about us, but at the same time still doing things that bring glory to God. And so Jesus goes on to discuss a whole series of ideas. He speaks about murder. We looked a little bit last week about this. Murder, anger, our words, adultery, divorce, vows, he talks about an eye for an eye. He talks about love towards our enemies. I'll tell you, reading this, it really does stretch us to new levels, new motivations. Basically, we must be distinctly different uh, than the culture we live in. I have to repeat that again. I have to repeat that again. The Lord is stretching us, especially today. I think it's a, I think it's a right now word that we're bringing, brought through here, this, this idea the Beatitudes. The Lord is stretching us to new levels, new motivations. Basically, we must be distinctly different than the culture we live in. That really is a say-law statement. That really is a, a statement to just mull over. That we have to be distinctly different than the culture we're around. Not, not to point out how out of line they are, but to point out how blessed we are and hopefully how loving we are and how much they can see God in us and that we're winsome. Amen? That we're winsome. This salt and light that we just read about, it says we should be magnifying the Father. So I'd like to submit to us, we're walking magnifying glasses. I want to submit that to us. We need to be walking magnifying glasses, not about us. It's not about us, but that they see God through us. When they see whatever we're doing, there's a 10-time enlargement of Abba Father, His Son, our Lord and Savior, and the Holy Spirit. We're, that we're walking magnifying glasses. And also, in the, mid of, in the midst of being salt and light, that we're not to be, a flood, we're not to be floodlights. I think it's important to say this. I don't think we should be floodlights that are glaring and we're overbearing. 
I think we're to be warm. You know, when you go pick out light bulbs, I was at Grover's yesterday. I needed a light bulb, and there's such a selection of light bulbs. You know the kind of light bulbs we should be, speaking of salt and light? Warm, attractive light that people are drawn to rather than such a bright light that we're overbearing and they're not interested in receiving. Amen? I felt like the Lord really wanted to remind us of the... Uh, what we're to be, winsome. There's a lot to unpack in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and that'll happen over the number of Sundays here that we're studying these, I'm sure. We can't look at it all. But let's look at Matthew 6, 6, 5 through 8 here, because Jesus was teaching about praying. And so he said, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, Jesus says, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. And uh, I want to keep reading through eight. So, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is, go back for me, please. The father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Okay. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard before their many words. Do not be like them, for our Father knows what you need before you ask him. And uh, let's look at this for just a minute. If the Father knows what we need before we ask him, here's a question you might ask. Let me, let me keep our attention here for just a moment. Jesus says, the Father knows what you need before you ask him. And then the question you might ask yourself is, if that's the case, why do I need to ask? And I would say there's a couple of reasons. First of all, this is how it works for me. A, because we're told to ask. And I don't know about you, having been in the fire service for almost 30 years and, and come up in a system that, that works with, uh, it's kind of a chain of command as it were. I've seen it work. In non-emergency, perhaps not so well. In emergency, pretty efficiently, okay? And so when God says ask, I don't really need to have any discussions about it. It's yes, sir, I will ask, amen? The other thing is, in James chapter one, it says you have not because what? You ask not. So we're supposed to ask. Well, then if he knows what we need before we ask, because it develops a relationship for one thing. There's a relationship that's developed. Just you parents as our children, we develop a relationship with them in our interaction and based on their request and them being recipients of what they need when they ask. The same with us, with our Heavenly Father. It develops relationship and it glorifies God when the answers come. There's a passage I love it's from the 19th, I get funny this way. It's from the 1971 version of the Living Bible. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 says this Don't be weary at prayer, keep at it. Watch for God's answers, and remember to be thankful when they come. And so I have to say, that's such an important part of the relationship as Jesus is talking to us about our relationship with the Father and asking for things. There's such an important part of not only asking, but, but acknowledging. I mean, that's relationship. That's thank you. So something important for us to think about. And, uh, and I want to encourage us to, to be people that also ask and also thank. Um, Matthew 6, 5 through 8, we're talking about prayer. 
um, five times in that passage that we read about prayer. In just a few verses, um, there was a time some years ago I was interested, it was many years ago, I was interested in knowing more about prayer. I wanted to learn more about prayer. So I would read about prayer. I went to a conference or two on prayer. I read some books on prayer. And you know what came to me? Enough. Get praying. Right? It's like, it's like getting on a bike and riding. You know, I mean, we, we, you can only read about so much. I guess what I'm trying to say to us is, you're hearing a prayer this morning. We've invested some time this morning. We've landed here. We're hearing about what Jesus taught us about prayer. I think every one of us could respond to this next statement. We need to pre be even praying more, more of a praying people. I don't think there's one of us that, that would say, if we were asked, are you praying enough? That we could answer quickly, enough, probably too much. Could anybody even say that? Oh, I'm praying too much. We, we're to pray. We're to be praying people. In these ideas, in the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, listen to this, Jesus said, when you give, when you fast, when you pray, he didn't say not if, he didn't say if you, and he said when. I just want to say that. When you pray, when you fast, when you give, so these statements where Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. So let's look at this. Let's take a look at this. Matthew 6, I'd like to look at the PowerPoint. Matthew 6, 9 through 15. This then, Jesus said, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. And so let's look at this for just a moment. This can't be exhaustive, um, but we're gonna look at a couple of points here. First of all, we've covered this not too long ago a little bit. Our father, first of all, it's our father. We're children, he's our father. And, and we could discuss that more in depth. We're not gonna spend a lot of time on that, but that's that relationship. And then of course, hallowed be your name. We know hallowed means holy. That's not new to us. We're familiar with it. But there's something I feel I need to say as we talk about this. I hear too many people in the body of Christ, and certainly a lot of people out of the body of Christ, way too much say, OMG, oh my God. It's too flippant, it's too relaxed. It, that word says, hallowed be thy name. And, and I just, I wanna say even, and, and this is not criticism, but it's a reminder based on God's name being holy. If, if you're OMGing in your electronic correspondence or your spoken correspondence, pick something else. Start making, you know, just, that just doesn't work. Nothing close to it. His name is holy. There's to be reverence. That's how Jesus said, launch out in prayer, recognizing our relationship with our Father and that, is, that he's holy and that his name is holy. So uh, that's just a reminder I felt I was supposed to bring. And then, of course, Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. I want to say this to us this morning. We need, I mean, that, this is a model prayer. There are ideas. Of course, they can be expanded on. But we could pray, Lord, use and lead us as agents to this end. To what end? To father your kingdom coming and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then in three, give us this day our daily bread. There's that relationship and dependence. It's daily. Thank you for yesterday. I trust you for tomorrow. But I'm here currently today with you, the great I am. And I'm asking today. We're being charged. Talk to me every day. You know, yesterday's prayers won't help us today. And as we walk into tomorrow, yesterday prayer won't carry us. We're, we're to have ongoing prayer. And so uh, I want to say this. Consider this with me. First of all, give us, it's okay to ask. I've heard people say this over the years. Oh, I, you'll say, well, pray for it. You know, pray for yourself. I, have you ever heard anybody say, oh, it's, uh, God's, they'll say things like this. Well, God's so busy. I'm here to tell you, if you haven't figured out how big God is right now, he can hang with the seven plus billion on planet earth and all the requests we have. Okay, he's not too busy. We're not gonna overwhelm him. That's, that's a weak excuse, number one. Okay, ask him. Ask him. You have not because you ask not. We've covered that already. But here's the other thing that struck me. It's, this seems like it's going away a little bit. I was raised, when, when I was a boy at home, we prayed before we ate. Now, there's three times a day that we can connect with God. And before we even pray during our times that we ingest food, what about when we're waking? What about simply, I, I'm going to try to encourage us to make a practice instead of simply going on autopilot, throwing the covers back, and bolting out of bed yet again. Let's change our routine. Let's slow down a little bit. Acknowledge God with our voice. The first thing is we're waking and make some statement to connect in this relationship. Father, son and daughter, child of God relationship before we even begin. It doesn't have to be lengthy, but something where we acknowledge him. The Bible says if you do that, that's a great way to start your day. Well, he'll direct your paths and make them straight. You start acknowledging him right out the chute. So in the morning, and then there are three meals a day, we're not talking about a half-hour prayer session. Your food will get cold. I'm talking about connecting with God and, and acknowledging Him and, and, and developing our relationship with Him and not a rote, routine prayer. I grew up with this. God is gracious. God is good. Let us thank Him for our food. By His hand, we all are fed. Thank you, God, for our daily bread. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, that's great for a child, but there's a point where mechanical, rote, routine, memorized prayers have nothing to do with heartfelt connection. So we can pray a prayer, and I'm talking to parents, grandparents, all of us. Those prayers are cool. They help teach the kids, but at some juncture, even when it's over our food, make it a practice to include a few things that are prayer issues. You know, Lord, thank you for this food. Bless it as we eat it. Help it to heal and strengthen our bodies. And I pray that you'd be with Tom Luna and B and their children and strengthen them and help them at this hour where they need it. Now, we trust you that you'll do that. We thank you for what you've done. And we ask your blessing on this food in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You can include ideas. Amen? You can include some ideas. Probably made that point. I get a sense I made that point pretty good. 
So make it a practice to teach your children, and, and that really can't be optional. Look at verse 12. Let me move on. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive. We're familiar with this, to ask our Father to forgive us and then be willing to forgive others and not be willing to forgive others is a mistake. I need to repeat that again. Hear me here. Some of these are so deep, you could just preach on, just on forgiveness. But to ask our Father to forgive us and then not be willing to forgive others is a mistake. There's more on that in verses 14 and 15. We just looked at it. But I want to point something out here that I find fascinating. In the series of ideas that Jesus presents in the Lord's Prayer, when we get to this point about asking for forgiveness, look at the very next line he takes us to. And lead us away from, that's my own words, lead us away from, not into temptation, but deliver us from evil and the evil one. Now let me ask you where you're at. If right now you feel you need some sort of deliverance in your life, you need some sort of freedom, if you're in some sort of bondage, if there's something that you feel trapped and you're tired of the cycle that you're in and you've long since wanted it broken, if you think the idea of asking God to forgive us and forgiving others is randomly placed, it purposely is placed first before we ask for God then to come into our life and bring deliverance. We can't ask to be released and freed up when here we refuse to forgive those that are holding something over us and we're holding something over them. Amen? The connection to the freedom that we're asking for is also connected to the idea. And I want to say some of us are being held captive by the very virtue that we're not forgiving. I just want to encourage you today. Search yourself. Holy Spirit, speak to all of us. Where, where is it? Whom is it? Is it with us and you, Lord? And or is it with other people? Then help bring to our mind, quicken us, that we would get current with you and not have any unresolved stuff. I'm talking about breakthrough will proceed if we'd be willing to visit that and do genuine, heartfelt, honest business with the Lord around those issues. Do you track with that? That's what the Lord is teaching us through this. Matthew 6, 14 and 15, let's look at it. I'm just gonna let this, this one speak for itself. It's, it's straight up. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That's good news. That's good news. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your Father will not forgive your sins. It's in the Word. We read it. I won't expound more. Um, just allow that to resonate and let's do business as the Holy Spirit prompts us. As we're discussing prayer, here's something else that's important church. I really believe this. And this is common in Christendom. This is common in our, in our communities, in the body of Christ, a very common thing. How often do you hear this? Someone's going through something and you say, I'll pray for you. And that's a good thing to say. I want to hear that you're praying for me. You have been praying for me and for my wife and we're the recipients of your answered prayers right now. Hallelujah. But if you say, I'll pray for you, don't, let's not dare say we'll pray for you and then not pray for someone. I don't think that's, I, I mean, he's talking about our vows and our words. I mean, I think it happens. I've been guilty of it in the midst of busyness. I'll be praying for you. 
I don't know about you, but I, I became aware some time ago that I can't, I can't do that. I have to write it down. I have to put it in a notebook on my phone. Here's even better. Pray right then if you can. Pray right then with them if you can. Amen? We're, Jesus called us a praying church. Okay, so I want to encourage us. Forget about, don't let the world intimidate us. That doesn't have to be a show. Again, it's not hypocritical. It's just praying. Matter of fact, it's modeling. That's the salt and light part. Even if we prayed for somebody in the marketplace. There's a, I have no problem praying at Fred Myers for somebody. How about you? I have no problem praying over our meal in a restaurant. Do I do it for show? Absolutely not. I wouldn't even think of doing it for show. I do it because it's who we are. And I won't apologize for it. I'll just pray. It's not going to be a half hour prayer in a restaurant. One of the things Mary and I got very blessed when we came to Klamath Falls, we saw per capita more people praying in this town than we did where we came from. I love that. Let's, let's be that light and that salt. Amen? Something for us to consider on these on praying. And uh, so let's pray when we tell people we're going to pray for them. And then also, Jesus charged us in the Lord's Prayer, did he not, didn't he charge us to pray the, the Father's will? Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. He, that was one of the ideas Jesus presented to us, pray this way. So I want to say we're also pointed to the Father's will. Here in this PowerPoint, Psalm 122, 6 through 9. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord, our God, I will seek your prosperity. And so here's one thing I want to say. This is out, out of Matthew, this is coming out of Matthew 5, 6, and 7. However, Jesus said, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. I know many of us know that Psalm 122 charges us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And I don't need to hear back from you, but I've been praying for the peace of Jerusalem on, in, in a month, many days in almost every month, over months and over years, praying for, why? Because I read somewhere, the Father is specifically asking us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It's the Father's heart. It's the Father's heart to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. If you haven't incorporated regular prayer for the peace of Jerusalem, I don't know about you, but I have a hard time reading that charge and then saying, well, I hope somebody's praying it. Right? I, I think that's also praying the Father's will. And I think it's good to be involved in the Father's will. I think, I think it aligns us for blessing. And even those passages give you incentives that say you're blessed. Genesis says if you bless Israel and Jerusalem, you'll be blessed. Now, I want to tell you right now, that is not my motivation to pray. My motivation to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and for Israel and for Jewish people is because it's the Father's heart. But if God wants to bless me because of it, hallelujah, Lord, I'll receive it. Amen? Something for us to consider. This should be a part of our daily prayers. A blessing comes with it. And, and I'll say quickly, Father, Jesus said, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? Well, I have nine people I pray for specifically that God's will would be done in their life, but I'm not limiting my prayers to those nine people. 
real close intimate family. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? Well, we've talked about Jerusalem and Israel. We could pray for the Klamath Basin, and we should be. We should definitely be praying for Klamath Christian Center, the people of Klamath Christian Center, Klamath County, the state of Oregon. But let me ask you this. Since Mary and I have been coming here, we know that Guatemala is yet one of many outreaches that we support as a church. This church has identified several things, whether it's a pregnancy center here in town, whether it's Guatemala. If we would, we could pray for those areas. Those are our assignments in a sense. And we could be praying that God's kingdom would be realized more completely in Guatemala. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Inclusive, we can't just pray about the daily bread, although that's fine. But I'm, I'm, I think the Lord is saying pray this way. He wants us to be intercessors. Matter of fact, I read in Psalm 2.8, it says, ask me for the nations and I'll give them to you. Amen? And so I want to encourage us to be prayers. Um, the last few ideas here as we draw towards a close. Matthew 5. Matthew 5.17 through 19. I'd like to see that I think I'm supposed to read that. Okay, you don't have a PowerPoint. So I'll read it. Do you think that I have come... Listen to what Jesus said. We read this before. Do you think I have come to abolish the law of the prophets? I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He says, I tell you the truth. Until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. That's an interesting word. Let's see how that matches up now. I want a supporting scripture for that idea. James 1, 23 through 25. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. And so let's talk about this for a minute. What both the Beatitudes and the James passage here speak of is a new real level of commitment. Let me talk about commitment. This morning. I mean, the, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitude, is definitely Jesus charging us. You know, he's, he's definitely in, in pulling on us. It's, he's charging us. So let's talk about commitment. I, let's look at this PowerPoint on commitment. Put that up there for me, please. This is an anonymous quote, but, but consider this with me. The, iron, the irony of commitments or commitment, is that it's deeply liberating in work, in play, in love. The act frees us from the tyranny of our internal critic, from the fear that likes to dress itself up and prate around like rational hesitation. To commit is to remove your head as to the barrier to your life. Now that is a word. When I stood at the altar on June 12th, 1988 with my wife, and I said, I do, and I made a vow, and Jesus speaks of vows here in the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount, I made a commitment, I meant it, I meant it. And so the idea is, see, I've never been freer. The minute I said, I do, and yes, and this is also when we say, I do to Jesus, 
When we're married to Jesus and Jesus is married to us, we, we make a commitment to this degree that Jesus is stretching us and pulling us into. These ideas in the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. That level of commitment, to, the commitment to doing the things we're talking about today actually frees us. We don't have to wrestle anymore with, I wonder what country I should pray for. I wonder if I'm praying for so-and-so. We commit to it and we're freed. We're freed up. If I'm committed to my wife, and I am till the end of my days, if I'm committed to her, then I never have to feel a tug of war about anything else but her. I'm free. Do you, do you catch this? And so this is the idea that the Lord is speaking to us about here. And um, I'll read Matthew 5, 43 through 47 here. You have heard it said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? And so we consider that for a moment. And, and then I want to look at the last line of that text. Look at 548 here. This is one that ought to stretch us a bit. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So, let me talk about this for just a moment. I was walking around by our house the other day, several days ago. I was walking around. And I was pondering, how do we, are we, going to get our mission done to see the world one? I was just thinking, Lord, it seems so overwhelming. And I was actually asking from my heart as I was walking around and kind of walking and praying and thinking. I said, how are we going to get it done? I, I just, I, 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 it was deep in here. I was thinking it and feeling it. And, and, get them, and get the many connected to you. And there were two things that I got quickened with almost as soon as I asked that question. The first was this. Minister to the one or the ones in front of you. It was just very simple. It was answered very quickly. Minister the ones I put in front of you. That's the first thing I got. And the next thing I got was, and this was a blessed assurance, I felt this. Because everything seems pretty overwhelming. And I felt God say this too. I'm in control in spite of how things seem all around you. I've got this and I've got you. And that's not just for me. He gave me that word. Let me, I hope that's a blessed assurance. God is saying to us today, as, as overwhelming and out of control and gray and as many question marks that are hanging in the air around us, God is saying to us, don't fret. He's in control. He's got us and he's got this. Amen? He's got this. So that's important for us to remember. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Finally, in closing, I want to say this. The idea, the word perfect, when you study the word perfect, because I thought, wait a minute, what do you mean be perfect as our Father? I, so I studied this word perfect. It's telos. The, the word for perfect there in the text is T-E-L-O-S, telos. Telos. 
And, and it means aim, goal, growth in segments, one stage at a time. The Bible has a term for it. Christendom has a term for it. It's called sanctification. But, but it says, be perfect as your father is perfect. So um, please put up, put up the picture we have, the closing picture. See, telos, it's where we get the, the, for telescope, the segment and where we are, we're down at that end, at this early end of this segment. The father, he's at this end. That whole thing, and, and here's where perfect also is the word perfected. Perfect, perfected meaning developing, sanctification. We are at varying parts. Each one of us are at varying parts of that telescope. Each one of us are at varying segments on our way towards bringing glory to God the Father. Salt and light that bring glory to the Father. And in the midst of everything we're going through, we're to keep our eyes on the Father and on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Because he's got this, and he's got us, and he's in control, and we will not fret, but we will keep our eyes on Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of our faith, and that's what he spoke to our heart this morning. Amen, church? That's a word of the Lord for us this morning. Amen. <laughs> Worship team, if you'd come up, I'll just seal that up in prayer, and I'll ask pastor at some juncture as well to join me. And uh, I'd like to see that word up in prayer. Can I ask you to extend your hands towards heaven? I just want to ask God's blessing over that word in that time. So Father in heaven, we open up our hearts and our very vessels to you. And we pray that you would seal up what you've spoken to our heart. Uh, cause that word to take root and cause us not just to be hearers of the word, but doers as well. We trust you, we love you, and we thank you. And we pray this with great thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.